1: Let's talk about this FCS playoff and the teams that are in it from the Big Sky Conference and the the sort of horse race, the jockeying for position that is these teams, not just now, but to place themselves and affirm themselves as the team, which they each want to be, in the conference, the leader of the pack, as it were, that everybody else is chasing.
0: The hinge point that I want this conversation to be about is, is under the premise that In college football, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. There's no possible way to just be the same. Even if you're North Dakota State and you've been the top of the heap for a decade, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. And the scary part for the rest of the FCS is North Dakota State continues to get better. Trey Lance was named the Jerry Rice Award winner today. They've never had a national freshman of the year. Now they got a guy that's an all-American caliber quarterback as a redshirt freshman. That's crazy. But I want to talk about, because we, we... Especially in Montana, the jobs are so high pressure. I mean, we saw a guy that won seventy games in Montana State get fired. We saw a guy that went went twenty one and fourteen at Montana get fired. You have to win at a very high level. You also have to you have to sell your vision. You have to then fulfill what you pitched and sold to the collective fan base. And you have to do a whole bunch of other stuff too like being one of the most visible people in the state of Montana if you're a head coach and also you have to n- navigate, negotiate, endure the rivalry it's, which is constant. It's so interesting. It, let's talk about the
1: first part of that, Coulter, because you know you said you have to sell your vision and then and then make that come to fruition to this point Almost to the letter, Jeff Choate has brought that about at Montana State. Absolutely. Um, Here's what's interesting to me about Bob Stitt. Bob Stitt needed to sell a vision and didn't have one. Didn't have a vision to sell. We're going to score a bunch of points. We're going to play. You know, we're going to do the up tempo. That's fine. That's that's not a vision, man. That's not like a where this program is going to go. I don't recall one word about what you know. The, 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 the direction and the goals and the aspirations or the expectations of the program were as a whole ever from him. And so he failed to do that at all. He didn't achieve or not achieve. There just wasn't one. And that, I think, is a big part of me. You talk about he was 21 and 14, mm-hmm. uh, one and two in the Cat Grizz game, did go to a playoff game, did win a playoff g- game, did beat North Dakota State once the first game. Uh, which again in retrospect was actually perhaps not a good thing that that actually ended up happening for him uh, personally but in any case that's not the only reason though I mean there's a feeling about who this guy is and what he was and what he was like and what he wasn't about which was integrating into you know being a, a quote unquote a Montana guy and spending the time that you have to spend with you know the the you know the, the money folks the administrative folks the fans the media like it was just was never there, so that's that side of it. It's interesting though, Bobby Houck certainly has a vision for this program and an expectation for it, but he's never had to sell it because his hire, because of what he was as an established entity as a head coach, the first time that he was at Montana brought all of that stuff with it. Like he was just innate in 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 what came with Bobby Houck as the hire of this football team that there he doesn't have to sit here and go, here's what we're gonna be about. He just said, well we already know what we're about. It's exactly what we were about the first time that we were that I was here. You know? And so it's it's sort of an interesting disanalogy that way because how many times has it happened that a guy gets hired for a second time out of school? I mean that's rare, man. It's really rare. So it's it's a unique circumstance that way. For Weber State, they're a team that was really good, and then wasn't any good, and then when Jay Hill took over, he kind of built, 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 and has really plateaued that team to a nationally prominent level. There are they three time now either Three-time winning co- or co- sharing co- Big Sky, Sky champions, yep. conference champions, and and he to me kind of has the keys to the kingdom. You know, Weber State, where the pressure isn't what it is at Montana or Montana State. And while they have been good at times, they've also been bad at times. So to have a team that's in the quarterfinal, the playoffs is, I mean, that's that's outstanding. And he is going to be, you know, he, from a job standpoint and all that, is, is—is I think, not just fine, but in huge, huge, hugely good graces with everybody in the Weber Ogden community and Utah at large, as far as it goes. Whether he's in his own good graces, I think he isn't. Like he, he, he wants and expects more out of his program, and he has an opportunity to get that on on Friday night against Montana. But when you talk about these teams, Colton, we discussed briefly uh, earlier that. The, the, Bobby Houck, when he came here he was adamant. The only thing that's different about the Big Sky Conference is that Montana's not on top. And even though that's just flatly not true. I mean there's actually other many other teams and schools that are involved in the Big Sky Conference that were not at the time that he was there. So just objectively it is different, very different. But that said, the if you you get the impression that he really actually does believe this and is attempting to bring that out. And that Weber State was maybe the team that was circled to him and therefore to his team as the team that has been the place that we are supposed to be. That we that is our birthright or whatever, however, he's selling it as Montana. Like we it's us and everybody else. Uh, they're the team that's been there, that's had what we that what is what is rightfully ours. And They took it from them the first time around. This game is going to be an interesting one for all of those reasons as well.
2: Well,
0: first we'll start with the Big Side Conference has four more teams, like you said. But also, you've had all these teams rise up and at least win a share of at least one conference title since the league expanded in 2012. Every single team in the league, save Idaho, Idaho State, has had a piece of the playoff pie, and you've had everybody from Cal Poly to Southern Utah to Eastern Washington— Weber State, UC Davis, they've all shared a piece of a conference style besides who? Montana and Montana State. That in itself is crazy. Crazy. But. And it's still true. It's still true. Weber State when Bobby Hauke was last in the league, 2008-2009, were the two greatest seasons in the history of Weber State football. Until Jay Hill came to Weber State. But those two years, we State, they shared the Big Sky title 2008 with Montana, and they made the playoffs as an at-large team 2009. They have multiple NFL guys like Tim Toon and Cam Higgins. They are really good. Weavers invested so much more in football since then. They have an indoor practice facility. They have an academic center. They are—they have a national recruiting budget. They're just trying harder in football straight up. And you could compare and contrast all this stuff. Like, Portland State's probably arguably not as strong as they were when Bobby Houck was in the league the first time around. Eastern Washington, we'll see where they go from here, but they had a great run under Paul Wolf and Bo Baldwin. I don't know if Aaron Best is, is he's not enough like those guys to keep the exact same identity of the program, but I think that the league has objectively grown, I think you could say. I don't know if it's actually better. I think it, when you're talking about how, how far does your best team go in the playoffs? It's about the same. And not quite actually as good, because Eastern Washington made it to the semifinals a bunch, but only won the one national championship, only played in one national championship, uh, two national championship games, bookend of the decade, basically, 2010 and last year. But well, Montana I mean, was perennially in the in the national championship games. So right. I think there's a lot of ways to gauge whether the league's better, but you can, I think you can objectively say the league has grown and has become more vast, diverse, and challenging. But... Let, let's talk about each one of these programs. First of all, I think that this is a pivotal moment for Weber State because Jay Hill was, he's not nearly as wordy, <laughs> nearly as talkative as Jeff Choate, but he, he is very to the point about his vision, too. And he said, we're going to lose early and we're going to incrementally build it. And they did. They went 2-10, and 10, then they had a winning record, then they made the playoffs, and then they got a seed in the playoffs, and then they got the two-seed in the playoffs, and now they have the three-seed in the playoffs. But here we are in year six. You are the three-time Randy Big Sky champs. You have gotten buys in the first round of the playoffs, back-to-back years. You have been top two or three seeds. If you're the two-seed, all you have to do is win the games that you are favored in to get to the Final Four. And I say all you have to do. is not that easy. But to fulfill the expectation you have going into the playoffs, all you do have to do is hold your seat. So I think this is a gigantic game for Weaver State in the arc of their program because they lost so much from the last senior class. That senior class was amazing at Weber State. But they need to break through and prove to people that they can break through. You can't just keep getting top four season not making it to the Final Four. got to make it to the Final Four once to affirm your place uh, truly among the national elite. No question. And I mean, Jay
1: Hill got his team Better than what people expected, and and looked like they were going to beat James Madison in the playoffs and go to the semifinals. And mm-hmm. what would have been a major upset totally. two years ago didn't happen. Kind of lost it at the end, a, a painful, painful loss. But also, you know the the run of the mill Weber State fan. While you're always sad when your team loses or whatever, you go, I can't believe what a great year we had, and look sure. at the run that we just put on the number two team in the nation last year that was the year that you're supposed to to be there and yep. they, they were the the, the bigger dog mm-hmm. that ended up going down to maine and again in any individual year it's funky to talk about it because in any game in a playoff game anything can happen I mean, you could just you got beat by a by by that team on that day maybe you beat them nine the next nine times you play them but that that one day it was their day. And look, nobody was beating Maine the day that they beat Weaver State. I mean, they oh, no. were rolling. But that said, over the course of time, you know, how often do we hear about the, you know, Andy Reid, right? He's a Hall of Fame coach. One of the great coaches ever. Never won a Super Bowl. You know, you it's always, like, there. and. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's national championship or bust. I don't know that it ever could be when North Dakota State is doing what they're doing. But certainly making it to a national semifinal, progressing to yet another step in the process, in the ultimate goal of winning a championship in Frisco, is something that hasn't happened yet for Jay Hill. And if it was to not happen again for a third you know, year in a row you start to wonder if it feels like there's a bit of a barrier there.
0: You just don't want it to enter the conversation because right. then it becomes a distraction. Right. If Weaver State loses Friday night, now the, the two narratives creep in, that they can't win big games and that they're a regular season team that's not built for the playoffs. And when those sorts of things creep into your program, we're going to get into Montana State and their program because I think the evolution of the cap program is the most fascinating in the Big State Conference because they won three straight league titles to start this decade. But they were bashing their heads into the wall because they they their ceiling was so thick. They, yeah, they, they were exactly what they were, and they were never gonna beat San Houston State, North Dakota State, like right. th- those teams. Right, and and quite frankly, they couldn't beat the Grizz. Montana State's regular season. Reputation and success was better than the Grizz, and they still couldn't beat the Grizz, even when the Grizz were going through so much stuff. Yeah. They did beat the Grizz 2010, 2012 during those big State championship years, but Rob Ash went two and seven against the Grizz. That's why Rob Ash doesn't have a job straight up, period. Well, I want to get into the Montana State or the Montana part of this just because I want to parlay this with the Weaver State. Okay. I think it's interesting to analyze it from this moment. I think there's two analysis when you talk about Montana. And part of it is because what you just said. Bobby How has Bobby Houck set the level of expectation for himself by being here the first time and winning 80 out of 97 games. That's right. So that is just that is the the elephant in the room at all times. The measuring stick, it's already there there's no there's no circumstance that goes into it. It is exactly what it is, and people will not be satisfied with the, the rehiring of Bobby Houck until he gets back to that level. They could be optimistic about the incremental or seismic progress that they're making. He will not be satisfied until they're back at a nationally elite level. But I, I also think that when you look at just what he inherited, the mess that it was, and you analyze it just from this program, this new program, he is a second-year head coach, take his name away from it, take the past away from it, and you'd say, well, this Grizz team's playing with house money. I mean, these, these guys... Like Mick Delaney said on the ESPN roundtable last week, I mean, 20 receivers on scholarship, 10 linemen on scholarship? Like, what you, What are you doing? That That is a disaster of a program, period. It doesn't matter what name's on the front of the jersey. So on that end, I think you, that Montana's playing with house money and, the, and that any more success is just awesome for the trajectory of their program and probably farther than they thought. But on the other side, it's national championship game or bust at Montana, and that's what Bobby Hawk is trying to make the expectations return to. Right. I think that's the most fascinating balances, those two things are sort of pulling on each other because you never want to be complacent and be satisfied with where you're at. But on the other hand, you do have to give yourself credit for what you've accomplished thus far.
1: Coulter, you have a business
0: and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed, I do. So I'm on my computer all the time.
1: And if you're not online, you're not making money. And it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right?
0: Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this
1: day and age.
0: So ensure your company's network is online all the time.
1: For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. I asked Bobby House in the press conference on Monday, what's the ceiling of this team? And... He said a couple words and then basically just got to hopefully we win this week, you know, and he's focused on Weaver State and all that kind of stuff. I have not yet heard Bobby Houck say we expect to or our goal is or we want to win a national championship, except for in the context of the goals of this program are always these four things. We graduate, we win the Big Sky Conference. We win a national championship, but I forget the fourth. There's four, you know, those fourth. So he said it like that in that context that the, the 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 goals for this program are the same every single year, all the time. But when you talk about this team right now being in the quarterfinal, it still hasn't really been out there. Hey, we are we are we are going to Frisco. We are our goal here is to go to Frisco. Our goal here is to win this week. Our goal here is, you know. Okay, and like, I get it, and virtue of that, you go to Frisco if that continues to happen. Okay, but it is different than, I mean, North Dakota State, their goal isn't to beat Illinois State. Their goal is to take home a trophy from Frisco, Texas on January 11th, pure and simple period. Yes. And everybody can and does talk about it, And there's and you don't even have to ask the question because it would be foolish to ask the question. That's how. That's to what level they are at.
0: It's actually crazy because they've actually skewed. If you have like five or six peer teams, like talk about the FBS, you have Ohio State and Alabama and and LSU and Oregon and, and and Utah and these teams. Every single one of those teams, even though Alabama and Clemson have dominated so much, can start on day one of the season and be like, we have national championship aspirations. And that's what it was like in the 2000s and even in the 90s. With Montana, like in the '90s, for example, when it was Montana, Youngstown State, Georgia Southern, yeah. they all are open up the season national championship. That's our baseline expectation. Now it's like, can we knock off North Dakota State? Right. Everybody else, James Masson, it maybe is the luckiest team in America because they have snuck in and won one national championship this decade. They have another one from the previous decade, so they got two in the midst of Montana's domination and North Dakota State's domination. And no one's like, well, man, every time James Madison doesn't win the national championship, that's a failure. Where that really was the narrative in Missoula last decade, yes. and it was the narr- It would be the narrative in Fargo. I mean, if, Mon- right. if, if North Dakota State was to lose, say, in the semifinals to Montana State, it, it, it would be cataclysmic. It would be unbelievable that that had happened. That's and, right. th- and their fans would be freaking out.
1: Well, there's a lot of uh, plane tickets that would not be refunded. It's so, 2 Tell on the one, it's one on 129 ESPN Radio. Uh, Coulter, let's talk about. Uh, Montana State.
0: Well, So let's play I just cut up a, a piece of sound real quick. Okay. Jeff Cho. Yep. Jeff Cho was asked, "Did you expect to be to have the program hosting a quarterfinal game in year 4?" When you get a job, it's like getting a present, you open it up and it's not exactly what you thought it was going to be, and that's kind of how I would describe this. Like I you know Montana State had a nice run here
1: and you're and you're thinking from the outside looking in, we we've, we've got a pretty good thing going, but there were some things that we needed to fix. Once I realized that, I didn't know how fast it was going to happen. I knew there was no, there was not going to be a quick fix. My failure, couldn't find that quarterback that we'd just plug in and go, you know, and uh, which can fix a lot of things. But what's ironic about it is I think, I think this program is now built for the long haul because of it. I don't know why it happened that way. I think a lot of it had to do with personal discipline. You know, believe in what you're doing and don't deviate from the plan and don't listen to the outside noise. Very interesting, you know. And, and, and honest comments, and true, and he takes that on himself. But also, what happens if you do get a quarterback that's plug-and-play? What happens if Tucker Rovig actually gets better? Well, he's certainly going to get better, but but becomes what his, I don't know, physical ceiling and gifts think that he could be. You know, who knows? Uh, or if you just find that guy, maybe you just out-recruit what you got or whatever. But uh, they, they, they are they are in a place Coulter where they they first of all need to be montana state mm-hmm. where they should be at you know when you talk about going into this year and you look at the talent they have both sides of the ball both lines all that the running game etc so they're in they're in a great spot what i want to see obviously is how far can this team go this year because mm-hmm. this is to me a a quote unquote high watermark for montana state yep. but jeff Choate also said there this this is this program is now built for the long haul. Yep. I think there's truth in that. I also think you lose a lot right here this year. You you and do. so I want to see, even with the return of you know Troy Anderson, Isaiah Fonse, some really big-time types of players, I want to see what the next crop looks like, yep. especially when you don't have what he does have this year, and that is a lot of guys that came with him from a Washington job sure. that are elite types of of physical specimen. Sure. And are you able to get that and find that and put it in? That said, you can't deny what, what's going on right here. They, they have rolled into a home quarterfinal game where they are favored to go to the semifinals and play at North Dakota State again in the national semifinal. That's
0: big time. Period. End of story. Six fifth-year seniors on this team that are all from Montana that signed with Rob Ash. And I did profiles on all six of them. And I asked every single one of them, What did you think when Jeff Cho was hired? Because they're coming off a redshirt year. That's right. And this was before they got to know this guy or anything. But they all, to the man, said, we could see what was going on in the program, and it wasn't for us. And this guy walked in, and it was. And it wasn't for everybody else. Those guys signed with a class. That's why they're still there. Those guys signed with a class of 31, and only six of them made it. Think of the attrition in that class. Yeah. And Mitch Brought, he said, I knew right away when Chote walked in a room, there was a lot of people on this team that weren't going to make it just because at that point, the standard had fully slipped. People were getting away with a lot of things that weren't part of a team effort. People straight up weren't trying anymore. You could tell that Chote was not going to put up with that. And now he's built this program into a succeeding program. His culture is the thing that makes us go. And that's exactly... Montana State, Rob Ash. And
1: that's why you can make a statement like we're built for the long haul. Exactly. Because it's it's a it's a, it's a a standard that isn't cutting corners, even if you don't have Bryce Stirk on the edge. Somebody is going to go 100%, whoever it is that's there.
0: Rob Ash was the king of September and October. Mm-hmm. Jeff Choate has proven to be the king of November. Now he's getting December games, so we'll see how he f- performs. But I mean, th- they have won 13 out of the last 14 games in the month of November. Mm-hmm. It's impressive. So we'll we'll see what if the 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 next prophecy now that they're built for the long haul we'll see because you're right you're, you're likely not going to get another Bryce Stirk <laughs> you're not going to get the six, five, 260 hundred and sixty pound former state champion hurdler who's just going to come in plug and play and get thirty sacks in two years it's just not going to happen yeah but. They, they do have a bunch of other guys that they've really developed that are really talented guys. I mean, Chase Benson will be a really good D-line. Then. Braden Conkle wasn't that guy, by the way.
1: Exactly. And comes in and is, you know, as central to what they do in every element, uh, particularly the mentality standpoint of it. And he's a homegrown kid who wanted to go to MSU and play for Jeff Choate, you know, and, and so, so you get that too. I
0: think it was also very telling that Choate, he straight up admitted his deficiencies with the quarterbacks and mm-hmm. how much that's hindered them. But I mean, don't make no mistake, Rob Ash is an excellent in-game coach. And Rob Ash went something like thirty-eight and one against all the teams in the Big Sky Conference that weren't Montana, Eastern, Washington, and Northern Arizona. I mean, he 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 went nine and zero against Sac State, nine and zero against Portland State. Like he's never losing to anybody but the premier schools. The problem was never beating them. He went two and seven against yeah. Eastern and two and seven against Montana. I mean, he was four and fourteen against those two schools, and I mean, do the subtraction: sixty-six and twenty against the other, the whole the whole rest of his career. Right. But then, so often they lost in the playoffs too, and I think that's that's where you have to adjust your expectations as a program as a whole. If you're just satisfied with competing for the big guy every once in a while and going to the playoffs more often than not, and and never making it past the quarters, Rob Ash is probably your guy. If you want to find the way and find the guy. Yeah. to get you to the top.
1: It's yeah, you got. Who
0: knows if it's chode or not, but but Ash wasn't that guy. Yeah. He's not yeah. going to help you summit the mountain. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula hotel that truly offers something for everybody.
1: No doubt, it's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides.
0: That's right. They got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere.
1: Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that.
0: They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests.
1: The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call, very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000, the best hotel at the best spot for a hotel
0: near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not.
1: ESPN Missoula Center. Good afternoon, Ryan Tutel. Colter to hear some sports news for you. College football has been stealing a stop, spotlight in the state of Montana with a mid-December appearance for the first time in years, but the winter sports prep sports just got on their way this week. Girls and boys basketball as well as wrestling began over the weekend and this week.
0: In Class AA boys hoops, reigning Montana Gatorade Player of the Year, Roy Wooster, will try to help Missoula Hellgate avenge last season's overtime loss in the state title game at the buzzer to Bozeman. And in Class AA girls, Helena High will try to replace two-time Gatorade Player of the Year Jamie Pickens, who's now with the Lady Grizz. The Bengals are trying for their fourth straight Class AA title. They're one of only three schools ever to three-peat but no double program has ever won four-a-row. in Missoula Hellgate, an upstart team a year ago with plenty of youth returning, should also be in the mix after finishing third last season.
1: A Class A girls hoops, Haver is gunning for its third straight titles and is fourth since 2014. The Blue Ponies are led by Lady Grizz commit Kendall Keller. In Class B boys, Missoula Loyola lost in the state title game last year but returns a talented roster. And in Class C boys, Manhattan Christian took down Lee for the first time in three years as the two squads played for the three consecutive state
0: championships. Finally wrestling the defending champions are Flathead Double A, Sydney in A, Colstrip in B, and Circle in Class C. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Aspen Sound.
1: time for a Wing It Wednesday, 329 the phone number. It's 2 We're broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Seely. online at kurtzpolaris.com. You can find us on uh, all the social medias. If you're looking for uh, the station, what we do here, giveaways from time to time and so forth on... Uh, Instagram or Twitter at 1029ESPN is the handle and at gus tell and at Skyline Sports MT on Twitter if you're uh, looking for all the rest of that stuff. 329-1899, the phone number, 329-1899. Got three trivia questions for you. So if you want to get some wings to the Desperado, feel free to give us a shot. We can go through some of that stuff. Coulter, when we were talking about Weber. Uh, and where they're at and where they haven't gotten to yet. And it's only really been two seasons of playoff runs, and one was better than expected and in the last year, not as much. But nonetheless, a program that has been ranked nationally elite. They're the number three team in the country coming into this playoff <coughs> and have not, as of yet, advanced past this round under Jay Hill, uh, past the, 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 the national quarterfinal. It reminds me in a very small sense, in a very small sense, excuse me, of a program like Villanova or Virginia in men's basketball where Villanova always had the top two or three seed, maybe even a number one overall seed bounced in the second round of the tournament can't get it done you know who, who what's going to happen here and then they win the whole thing Virginia the same thing and then they go and win the whole thing and i just think it's a matter of time before Jay hill gets the program maybe not to a national championship but past this point right
0: see this is this is why i think that saturday's such a pivotal game for weaver state because weaver Jay hill is is Jay Hill's an excellent recruiter. He is very steadfast in his in his own personal way of being, which I think helps you have a steady program. Jay Hill's, not, there's so many coaches are volatile, and that's why they're successful in a lot of ways, but yeah. also, I mean, Ed Orgeron has LSU as the number one team in the country right now, but do you have any faith that he'll be able to sustain that? I mean, it, it could go up and down. It, they could go from number one to ninth in the SEC and back up, and yeah. he, he might ride the roller coaster forever because it's just kind of his personality. I don't think that we were state, well, if Jay Hill stays there for 10 more years, they'll never be a dumpster fire. Right. They'll have a winning record always, and they'll be in the playoff mix most of the time, and they'll be in the Big Sky Conference title contention more often than not. But you wonder. You, you don't want, Jay Hill isn't Rob Ash, but you don't ever want to be, you don't ever want to, if you have a, if you're at a school with very, very high expectations and you, or if you're like Jay Hill and you're at a school where you have reset the expectations because of your own success, you don't ever want to be labeled as that coach who can't get you through the ceiling. Yeah, I, I know. And, but I guess I'd
1: also, it's, it's way too early to me to even talk about that because we're,
0: if Weber State not to me Weber State when Weber State lost 31-28 to James Madison. That year they beat Western Illinois 21-19 in the playoffs, then they got a rematch with Southern Utah who had beat them soundly during the regular season. They beat their in-state rival on the road, but it was an in-state game in Cedar City, which is not like a crazy intimidating place to play. Good win, certainly, but that that year it, it wasn't like this giant upset. They beat the 7th seeded Thunderbirds who were not very much better than them or in, in a lot of people would say were not better than them. Yeah. But then the moment that they took James Madison down to the wire, they finished the season at number five in the poll. They've never delineated from that, and all I'm getting at is that they're they're good, but they're not as good as they were. Personnel wise, their players is they're 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 going to be again. They're in the cycle of rebuilding because they only have four senior starters. Well, but look, they don't have guys like McKay Murphy and the Grand right now. And so what I'm saying is they've just been able to hold serve with the ranking that they've had, which is great. But I'm just saying that there has to be a point where you start to question: Are these guys? Are, are these guys actual national championship contenders or are they just holding the, the spot in the polls and capitalizing on it when the time is right but not being able to capitalize on it in the biggest games? Yeah, I I don't know, man. I think if you're in the national quarterfinal,
1: you have, to an extent, capitalized on it. And if, if, if Jay Hill rolls into the postseason as the third seed in the country on a... <laughs> you know, between, the, let's, let's say, as a seeded team. If he rolls into the playoffs with a bye regularly, yes, you want to have postseason success. Yes, you need that, and especially if you're a, a perennial, you know, participant in that thing. You got to win some games, and yeah, you got to get to a national semifinal at least. But also, there's there's no, to me, there's no reason to sit here and question whether, you know, something that he's doing isn't getting you there. Where, you know, until
0: it starts to slip if it does. That's a very good point because, first of all, Jay Hill's the greatest coach in Weaver State history, period. He's only been there six years. He's the greatest coach in Weaver State history, period. They have only made the playoffs twice in the history of their football program. They made them four years in a row. Right. He's the greatest coach in program history. Mm -hmm. Not, you, you don't start to question Jay Hill. You start to question what's the potential of the program right exactly. now. Exactly. It's just like with Montana State. We, we talked about, is Brian Fish the right guy or not? I don't know, but before Danny Sprinkle got hired, and right now Danny Sprinkle looks like a dynamite hire. We'll see how it all plays out. He's been doing excellent, though, so far in his first non-conference. Early returns, very good. Very good. But, like I said all along, is Brian Fish the perfect fit at Montana State? Likely no. But was all of the struggles and the ceiling that Montana State was banging their heads against Brian Fish's fault? Absolutely not. Montana State has gone 15 and 15 for 15 years straight. That's what they are. That's what they do. (laughs) The only year they weren't 15 and 15 was when they bottomed it out in Fish's first year won seven games. But there's been no outlier where they just go win 19 or 20 games. None. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes then you have to ask yourself, what's the problem with the program? It's the program. It's not the coach. And sometimes the coach can change the program. But I agree with you. If Weber State gets to the point where they're hitting their head on this quarterfinal ceiling for five years in a row, then you have to question, well, how, 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 what, what is the expectation? What is the potential? That's right. And here's the other part of that
1: it's, it's up to you at your own program, but it's not up to you and the other 12 institutions that are playing football in the Big Sky Conference. And if Montana and Montana State do what it appears that they are doing, which is start to, meet some of the potential that the institutions have for the sport of
0: football, everybody else is getting worse. Period. Let, let's talk about one. Fa- I want to bring this, this hypothetical up to you. We talk about all the reasons why the Montana schools should be good. They have excellent facilities. They're in great college towns. They have fan bases. I mean, being the biggest show in town gives them a gigantic advantage. And as Missoula and Bozeman continue to grow, those things are going to continue to manifest themselves and continue to be huge advantages. So the expectations should be high. I was really thinking about this after we did the Gatorade Player of the Year segment the- last week. When Tommy Molat one Gatorade Player of the Year, only went through what the last six Gatorade Player of the Years have done after. And I've been really thinking about just the talent in Montana or lack thereof. There's still talent in Montana, but for so long, you could get such elite dudes in Montana, especially on the lines. And you don't see that anymore. You still see some great athletes. Certainly. there There's great athletes in the state of Montana. There always will be. There'll always be great athletes everywhere. But there's a, still a certain work ethic and toughness that comes with Montana kids, especially kids from you know the non-college towns like Helena and Butte, even Billings. But, I mean, I haven't seen a guy like Thatcher Slay in Montana for so long. Like, those Montana lines on the early 2000s national championship teams and like Bobby Houck's lines those guys were straight NFL caliber and quality but they were also all from Montana mm-hmm. and i just wonder if that's one of the one things that's not t- being taken into account will the grizz ever get back to where they once were well is dave dickinson ever going to grow up in great falls again you just never know right like some of the some of the great players that bobby Houck ever had Chase Reynolds and Mark Mariani and those guys that developed from walk-ons into NFL guys, th- those are tremendous stories, and they deserve all the credit in the world. But also, Coach Elk got pretty darn lucky having Colin Dow, an NFL draft pick, just happened to be Billings senior kid. Yeah, I mean Lex Hilliard, <laughs> like I didn't see you know, Lex Hill. I mean, Lex Hilliard is a once in a lifetime guy. I mean, a six foot one, two hundred and thirty pound state champion sprinter running back in Kalispell, Montana. Who's I mean. He looks like an NFL guy when we were freshmen in high school. Like, that, that, that is just... It's just luck that that guy falls in your lap. No doubt. I, I, I think there's an element of that. I do think that uh,
1: even though Lex Hilliard maybe ain't coming around again, there's always going to be... I mean, talking about the Gatorade Player of the Year, it is representative of a lot of things. Certainly being very good at your sport, being a great football player is one of those things. It's not everything. And it is... I, I'm not going to affix this kid as the best football player that there is or certainly the best prospect, much like the Heisman. Sure. And the Heisman goes to the best college football player in the country. Rarely is that guy the number one NFL pick. You know? A lot of times he's not even in the first round of NFL picks. And so I think there's an element of that where you can be great at the high school level and not necessarily be the just plug and play number one guy you know or, you know playing division 1 college football too. sure
0: but it's so much far beyond that like i think yes, of the, i think of the representative CMR, i think of the cmr team when i was a sophomore in high school the 2003 cmr team justin Justin Hartman was going to but- or going to Washington to play tight end. Yes. Brady Leaf is going to Oregon to play quarterback. Royce Fulp is going to, I th- I think he ended up at Colorado State, but he's a Mountain West guy. Ryan Bagley is has an offer from Oregon, but then instead he ends up tearing his knee, but ends up at Montana. Austin Mullins, Montana. Jeff Hansen, a four-year starter at Montana State. I mean, you have 10 D1 dudes, four of which that are going to the Power mm-hmm. Five on one high school team. You don't see that in Montana anymore. Yeah. Suitel Nuwantes, one of two ESPN Radio. Those guys won the state championship, by the way. We'll come. Uh, <laughs> we'll come back to
1: that at another time. But Coulter, this was a surprise to you and me both. Bo Baldwin going to Cal Poly. How that happened, we'll discuss it. And what does this mean for Cal Poly and for the Big Sky Conference next? Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in
0: the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time.
1: And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure, am I right?
0: Absolutely, gotta be cyber safe this day and age. Well for you business owners
1: out there, whether you have an online business or a brick and mortar business, it's still running through the web, we all know that's a fact, and in today's Always On World, your business demands a simpler approach to network security.
0: At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana.
1: They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state.
0: So ensure your company's network is online all the time.
1: For more information visit goblackfoot.com slash business that's go slash business and you can click the link right here in the old podcast we've made it so very easy for you go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with blackfoot typewriters rotary phones and bo baldwin culture not quite bo baldwin was the head coach at eastern washington for how long nine seasons and in those nine seasons, Eastern Washington
0: wa- went to how many playoffs? They w- went to the FCS playoffs. Um, they won five Big Sky championships. They went to the final four of the FCS plus four times, and they won the 2010 national championship.
1: The only team other than NDSU and then the one by James Madison to win a national championship was Bill Baldwin and his Eastern Washington Eagles in 2010, in this decade.
0: I mean, Uh, let's just say it completely how it is. The only... Six times in the playoffs in those nine years, by the way. There's only been five national championships ever won by Big Sky Conference schools. Bo Baldwin led Eastern Washington in one of those. Mm -hmm. So he
1: gets an opportunity to go be in a Power 5 school at Cal, be the offensive coordinator at Cal... Cal had a, a a good year this year. They were they were top twenty five team for several weeks in there. I don't know how it all finished up for them. They've kind of lost a little bit at the end, but they uh, oh they're in the Red Box Bowl. Excellent. Let me just bring up my bowl sheet here. Love the Red Box Bowl. How long before Red Box will be going away? Following Blockbuster Video. On the way out of there.
0: Oh, what a barn burner. Cal versus Illinois. This is what I'm talking about. The garbage that is the bull bro, for racing. Bro, don't even get me started on this. Cal, Illinois, dude? You know what I'd rather watch? I'd rather watch Evan Weaver do individual workouts than watch that game.
1: December 30th in Santa Clara, probably at Illinois Stadium. Uh, or Illinois, Levi Stadium. Uh, I say we set the date, my man. Monday, December 30th? I'm good take the day off. Get over there. Oh, it'd be great. Anyhow, uh, he leaves Cal now. And I, I don't know if he's going to coach in the red box bowl or not. It would be a, certainly a nice feather in the cap to have that red box Bull experience. But Bo Baldwin leaving the power five to go be a head coach again in the big sky conference and not just in the big sky conference at Cal Poly. Now, I, I don't know a ton about everything, okay? But I, I feel like I could say with a, some level of confidence there is a different requirement for entry into Cal Poly than there is to Eastern Washington from an academic standpoint. No question. And sometimes that can influence... The players that you're able to actually get to go to school and play football for your football team. In fact, so much so that Cal Poly has been a triple option running football team a la Air Force Academy for as long as I can remember, certainly the entirety of Tim Walsh's career. Uh, uh, career
0: and the entirety of Rich Ellerson before that. So,
1: this one to me, man, is a stunner. I, I don't know what to think about this. Now, He's been at Cal for three seasons. Bill Baldwin has. He has familiarity with the area, obviously the Bay and Cal, and then San Luis Obispo, San Luis Obispo, not not that terribly far away. And you got to lay the you know the high school landscape and all that. But what what do you think is going on here?
0: Well, I think that he was probably feeling pressure at Cal. Else, I I don't know why you'd leave a six hundred thousand dollar a year job. He's gonna get paid probably one third of the, one fourth of that at Cal Poly. Probably base salary about one fifty at Cal Poly. Um, I think he, he probably wanted to see his way out. Either that, or he just really, really, really wants to be a head coach again. And he thought that the opportunity was golden. I, I think that th- there's, there's there's two sides to this that I think are very interesting. On one hand, you'd say if Bo Baldwin can recruit Cheney Washington, windy, flat, in the middle of a field. 10,000 residents, kids are hanging out the Safeway for fun, Teeny Washington, then he'll be able to recruit to the beaches and vineyards and breweries and all the wonderfulness that has, is San Luis Obispo, California. Also, Bo Baldwin's a relatively young guy. He's got a relatively young family. So maybe, maybe it's just a change of scenery. all well, life deal living in the Bay, overwhelming. Now you can go live in San Luis Obispo and run the show. And that job's only been open once this whole century. So, you know, maybe he's been dreaming about it his whole life, but he is a Northwestern guy. But on the other side of this, you'd, you'd say, well, Bo Baldwin recruited guys like Taiwan Jones, who was an, a fourth-round draft pick in the NFL, a ridiculously talented guy, and he... Taiwan Jones had to take a prop forty eight when he first got to Eastern Washington. He was a non qualifier at almost every school in the country. He's only yeah. a partial qualifier at Eastern Washington. So, you can recruit a guy as talented as Taiwan Jones and get him to go to Cheney, but you can get him in in Cheney. You can't get him in in Cal Poly. No. So, what kind of recruiter are you? I also think that Bo Baldwin's—he's known for his offensive mind, right? His offensive guy who's scoring points and coaching quarterbacks. I think specifically his ability to mentor quarterbacks and cultivate confidence within quarterbacks is elite. I think that's his best coaching trait. As far as the offense that they run, it's the Dennis Erickson single back just out of the spread. They just press the perimeter a lot more, but it's such similar concepts to what Erickson was running in Idaho. But Baldwin said that. I mean, he that's where he got it. And so I guess then the production of the offense comes from not necessarily the genius behind the scheme, but the talent of the guys. When Vernon Adams is throwing to Cooper Cup and Kendrick Bourne, you've got a pretty good chance to be good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> like, I'm not really sure how good of an actual true coach Coach Baldwin is. And again, you have to give him all the credit in the world because he was the head coach. So he was the one making the final decisions and recruiting. But when you just straight up have better players than everybody else, And again, he deserves credit for recruiting those guys. I'm just not sure if they're going to be able to recruit on the same level at Cal Poly. But I think that's probably the intrigue of the job, though. They've been stuck in this triple option mindset, and it's helped them tread water and never be horrifically bad, except for they have been horrifically bad the last couple years. Mm. But here nor there, I think that it's just like at Sac State. If you can get the right guy in place, it's a sleeping giant just because of all the kids you have at your disposal. The recruiting hotbed that is California. I mean, the the recruiting hotbed and all that—all the kids
1: that you can get. But I mean that again, the ceiling for football is so very much lower at Cal Poly than it is at Eastern Washington. Oh, well, I mean, just, absolutely, just just is. And so even if you, even if you're meeting, it even you know exceeding expectations and meeting potential for Cal Poly, I mean, if you make it to the playoffs, it's a monstrous success. Sure. And is that satisfying enough? Like, can you, uh, for a guy who is a national championship winning coach at the FCS, are are you able or do you have to and can you adjust what your gauge and barometer of success is for the institution that you are now the head coach at? And... Raising the expectation is always part of what being a coach is, and trying to figure out a way to be better than what you've been in the past is, and I think he can do that. But being better than what they've been and being good in relationship to, you know, consistently at the top of the Big Sky Conference and heading in with a seed into the national playoff, I, I, I don't that that just doesn't seem flatly possible at Cal Poly.
0: Well, the, and the last point worth making because I know we got to get out is that. One of the trickiest parts about being an FCS head coach is figuring out how to have your full roster filled, every every spot on your 104-man filled, but also be using every dollar in your scholarship allotment. Be using all 63 scholarships spread across 85 guys. How do you get 85 different guys on scholarship? Who are you going to give a third? Who are you going to give a half? How do you navigate that whole thing? Yep. But Montana and Montana State have had so much success by filling those spots with in-state guys, and those guys... It, than being diamonds in the rough that then bloom. the I think that Eastern Washington has the single greatest recruiting advantage of any school in the entire FCS because you have a state of Washington that's basically an outpost compared to the rest of the country. Very few schools are going to Washington to recruit. You only have Washington and Washington State. So the preferred walk-on and the one-third scholarship guys you're getting, they're not from an eight-man football program. Right. They're from Ballard and Garfield and in the city where they're playing real football and those kids, maybe they don't have the the developmental potential of somebody that comes from eight man in but they are so much more ready to roll. I mean, you can get all sorts of, like look at Eastern Washington's defensive backfield. These guys have all just been partial scholarship guys from the South Tacoma area who then earned their way into being all big sky guys. The recruiting grounds are even more fertile when you're talking about an FCS program being able to recruit there.